0: Good afternoon, people of the world! Welcome to It's All Good. I'm very excited today to have my two good friends, Jake Hassan and Isaac Trotter, on the show today. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Uh, calling this a little bit of an Everything Under the Sun episode. Jake, Isaac, uh, they're here with me over Zoom. How are you guys doing today? Um, and thanks for coming on. Oh, it's...
1: Great to be here, Gavin. Happy to join the program. I am now a recurring guest myself, um, so that feels good. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about, like you said, everything. It's
2: awesome to be here. I, I think it's uh, this is the first time that the three of us have actually done a podcast together, which is really fun. I think we've each done it separately with just two, but the first time the three of us have come together, so I'm, I'm really excited.
0: That's true. This is the first. This is the first time all three of us in this mix have done it. Isaac's also a recurring recor- a guest. Um, because he had a couple uh, appearances alongside Eric Fisher. And uh, I'll never forget the podcast on the way home from Michigan State that we recorded after Illinois football came back from 28-3 down to win on the last play of the game. Uh, good times. Better times. That,
2: was great times. that yeah. was great times. And I also, the one at Purdue was really fun too when we were driving at late at night during the rain. Oh, yeah. We were recording in my back seat while we are driving down a little back road to get to purdue that was really really fun too we've had we had some good road trips
0: oh yeah we did that that's for sure um i'm hoping there will be some more road trips in our future soon once uh the pandemic subsides for a bit and sports can resume um we're going to talk about that a little bit down the road but first i just you know how are you guys doing in life you know myself i've i've been quarantined alone uh in Champaign for a little while now because my girlfriend left town a couple weeks ago but how are you guys doing
1: Yeah, uh, obviously I'm also in Champaign. I saw you a couple days ago as you were walking down the street. But yeah, I mean, it's quarantine life. It's whatever. I've gained an obscene amount of weight and just trying to take that off now. But yeah, it's watched a lot of movies, watched a lot of TV and just, you know, watched way too many TikToks for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm part of the wave. I downloaded TikTok too and I just I feel like <laughs> I spend
2: like an hour and a half or two every night watching things. But yeah, it's so far it's been good. I think, you know, I've been working up here in Minnesota and it's just like it's like I feel a little bit more productive working from home full time. I, I, I just I just feel that way. I like I like working from home a little bit, but it's definitely odd and it's like it's like you work from home on your like On your couch Monday through Friday and then on Saturdays and Sundays you're like all right I'm just gonna sit on my couch again like what do I do so it's just like you have to get creative but so far it's been okay I'm hoping I'm hoping we can get baseball back soon because I just need something like in the background on and like I don't really have anything to watch other than the last dance every Sunday and if we can get daily baseball on that would be really enjoyable
0: yeah I'm with you on that I'm not even like a baseball fan like that but like Oh my god. No sports. Like, honestly, is this is this hell? Like are are we in hell right now? Because it it's kinda of what it feels like. And and I'm glad you're being, you know, pretty productive and you've got a nice workflow working from home. Mine sucks. Like it's so hard for me to just sit in the same spot every day and write and, you know, come up with content and I, I really struggle to do it. I, I often find myself falling asleep at my computer while typing and like transcribing, writing and just it sucks.
2: I totally get that. I think the thing that I've done is I just try to do it at different times of the day, like just to make things different. Cause I can't wake up at eight and just do things. Maybe I write late at night and then sleep in the next day. Don't clock into like one in the afternoon. It's just like different, different ways to do it. it keeps that, you know, it keeps it from getting boring, but I miss like going to like coffee shops and right. Yeah. And going to like all of these different little like i mean when we're on campus we go to like the library and find like your spot and i had like that spot where i'd go if i needed to like do something and i just don't have that here and that's a little bit
0: harder with everything shut down what about you jake yeah i mean i'm still doing
1: a, a couple other podcasts here and there and just stuff like that um the occasional writing and editing for uh either call to the pen or picture list but i mean yeah other than that it's just been uh putting together a website for myself for when I eventually try to look for a job in a couple months or whenever sports come back
0: yeah me and Isaac are in a different boat from you well we're all in different boats but we're in a different boat uh than you in the sense that we both graduated in December and you're you're struggling through zoom classes and like totally online school in your last semester of college and I know like I was in Champaign, so I could have, I would have gotten some of the benefits of that, like, last semester on campus, in theory, where, like, I had no priorities and probably would have been hanging out with a lot of friends and frequenting cams and lying a lot. Um, obviously, none of that's happening. But what's, what's the whole experience been like for you, Jake?
1: I mean, it's basically, like, school wasn't real for the last three weeks. Like, you would go, but, I mean, even classes where, like, you would have professors saying, like, you know attendance is mandatory or something like that like you know you'd have these journalism classes of like 10 or less people where they'd be like all right you missed class like you drop a letter grade but now those last few weeks it was like you could say anything under the sun technologically wrong and they would just they'd be like okay because i mean how can you prove that that wasn't the case you know and even they were having their own technical issues and so i mean occasionally you'd have the professor who the meeting would just end (laughs) <laughs> randomly and then you'd be like okay like you just have weird stuff like that and there was no way to uh to prove that like so it just it didn't matter but shout out to stephanie Kraft though she gave everyone in journalism 250 an a in participation just for dealing with the pandemic's nonsense but yeah i mean school basically wasn't real there was a lot of call of duty being played there was a lot <laughs> of tiktoks being watched like that's basically what it was and then you still had these assignment deadlines where You hit them, but also professors and teachers were getting lenient with the grading because they wanted to be nicer to people. So it really like you weren't you were trying probably half as hard. Well, you you know what? Learned anything? (laughs) Uh, Well, you both know me well enough to feel like (laughs) I'm not huge on school as it is, and that we're learning. Like, I mean, obviously, personally, I feel like I've learned more through the internet and Mm. experience, like personal experiences, than I have in school, but. I mean that's just me, but yeah. I mean, obviously there's there's less conducive learning too because it's like I just said. There's TikTok. There's Call of Duty you can do while you're in class and your lecture, quote unquote. So like, it, yeah, no, you weren't learning anything.
0: Yeah, I'm, I was playing
1: Animal Crossing half the time.
0: <laughs> I'm really like concerned to to hear of both of your guys' collective embracing of TikTok because I've been a holdout for like you know like the last year I guess now it started getting big last summer last fall um and like i don't know i feel like it's evil it's corrupting people's attention spans um yeah it's it's definitely a a great format for comedy for cooking tutorials for whatever but man i already have enough distractions
2: (laughs) yeah no i totally feel that i felt like i was like wasting a lot of my time on twitter and now that sports has gone away some of the time that i spent on twitter is now spent on tiktok so i that's how i try to make it sound in my brain to make it sound a little bit better but i just like ignore like those like how long you've been on your phone notifications you get every sunday like i just try to turn those those off i don't get get those anyway
0: (laughs) i don't get those anyway i don't need to know i don't need to know my vices like that um yeah i don't know i've thought about caving though like it's I might funny, do it.
2: There
0: I guess some it's, stuff on there. if I like replace if I replace some Twitter time with TikTok time, that wouldn't be the end of the world, because I do spend like hours a day on Twitter, and I'm just like sitting there by myself. Sometimes it feels uh, these days because like I don't know what is there to tweet about besides the same old life sucks, it's a pandemic, stay inside, when are sports coming back, when's this gonna end, whatever.
2: Support journalism.
0: Yeah. Support journalism. Um, Anyway, speaking of the pandemic and and journalism and just kind of life in general, um, when sports are coming back, I just I just want to know, like, Isaac, what has it been like for you so far? Because you kind of you got to adjust to your new job. You landed and, you know, got set up started to get a groove on and all of a sudden like you have to do it all from home and nothing's happening like how you been doing because I know I've been like coming up with stories and stuff but it's hard man it's hard right now
2: yeah I I think it's I I count myself lucky because you know I when I graduated in December I felt really bad like leaving champagne and like leaving all my friends like you guys I I I just felt bad like I wish I wish I'd been there but like it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise with everything that's happened here and yeah, I mean, coming up here, I didn't know anybody. I I have, like, you know, I just have, like, my fiancés up here, and, like, that's it. And that's the only person I knew. And so, like, this new job has been, like, very much of a whole new world. But I think it's just, like, one, one thing I've learned is that storytelling will always be the same, whether you're in, you know, Washington, D.C., Rochester, Minnesota, anywhere else. Like, if you can tell good stories, you can find a place in journalism And so like, I've been just really lucky to have like really good bosses and a really good infrastructure here that, you know, they don't, they don't expect me to know everybody and know everything and come up with 30 story ideas a day. But they, they know that if they send me a story, I'm probably going to do it. Pretty well because I have a little bit more time to invest into it now than I did when I was in school. So overall, it's been it's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it, and it's I'm just lucky to have a job. You know, because I feel like I feel so bad for all of these, you know, this class of twenty twenty people that, you know, they're coming into this journalism industry that's a tough field, that's competitive, that's really hard to get a good job like already, and then you add this pandemic to it, and it's just even worse. And you know, I know how hard like you work, yeah, but I know how hard like Jake worked. I know a bunch of like our, our friends that worked really hard and invested a lot of time into this and to come into a job market like this is just, it's just really, really sad.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, for those of you who don't know, Isaac is at the Post Bulletin in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, the third largest city in Minnesota. But that's, you know, pretty relevant, especially when you consider that the two largest cities are right next to each other, the right. twin cities. So yeah. he's out there doing big things. Um we all hope to be a little like little like Isaac on the other end of this pandemic, um, but yeah, and not to mention this guy's trying to plan a wedding right now uh, in the middle of a pandemic.
2: Yeah, that's that is another whole other story. That is a little bit harder. Thankfully, uh, Maddie is like the key, the stud planner. And so I don't have to shoulder as big of a load as she does because she's the one that's like she's the one that's kind of killing it through all of this.
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, Maddie's like actually not working from home. She has to work at Mayo Clinic and literally fight on the front lines and and try to save lives. Um, Isaac, actually, if you guys haven't read it, he wrote a a pretty cool little story just about what it's like, you know, being at home all the time and, and waiting for Maddie to walk in the door at the end of, you know, hour like super long shifts exhausted and you know kind of what it's like being on right there as a part of that because you know I'm I'm lucky enough to say that like I I don't have to do that I'm just at home writing you know my family's you know my, my dad's unemployed right now but he's doing okay and my mom's working from home she's doing good everybody's doing good but you know there's a lot of people who are not so
2: yeah and I think that's the thing that like I, I keep going back to how lucky, like, I am right now just because, like, you know, none of my family members have the coronavirus. None of them have been seriously affected by it, you know. For the most part, everybody in my family hasn't lost a job over that, and that that puts me, like, ahead of a lot of other people in this world, you know, so I have, yeah. no, I have no reason to complain when I have a lot of good things going right now, you know?
0: Yeah, and I actually, I actually found out that my uncle was really sick, like, um in March, in like February, and they didn't test him for a long time, but he was literally in the hospital for like... He was in there for a few weeks and then went back out and then had to go back in because he literally couldn't breathe. And all his symptoms matched up exactly with the coronavirus. And, and he lives in Indiana, and they've taken a little bit different of an approach. It's They haven't done as much testing. And he ended up testing negative, but it was after he'd been like sick for so long... That uh, his doctors are now telling him, like, yeah, we're pretty sure you had the virus. But he's doing well now, like, thank God. But he literally couldn't, he could not breathe for so long. I talked to him on the phone, like, one time, and he, like, he, it was, it was, it was like, he couldn't even, like, he couldn't talk. It was, like, every, every sentence, like, it was, like, just a stream of coughs, like, after, like, four words. Yeah. Anyway, on to... Equally depressing topics, I guess, um, depending on your, your views of Illinois football and, um, you know, just kind of how the, the mid-pandemic recruiting efforts are going. Um, yeah, for, for 2021, right now in 2020, uh, it, it's not looking too hot for Illinois football. And, and you know, obviously the, the situation is tough, trying to recruit guys in the middle of a pandemic like we've never faced. Um trying to convince 17-year-olds to, to come to Champaign and sign on when they, you know, many of them haven't been here. Um, and, you know, this this Illinois staff, Lovie Smith and his guys seem to really kind of thrive on getting guys to campus and, and building trust slowly. But, um, Isaac, I'll start with you. What do you, what do you just think of, of the situation right now with Illinois' recruiting? And then we'll go to Jake.
2: Yeah, I think the thing that, you know, maybe it being up here in Minnesota, I can see a little bit more of like how PJ Fleck has kind of gone after it, yeah. And the the contrast between Fleck and, and Lovey is just so stark, both as men, but also as recruiters during this time. And Minnesota's absolutely killed it. You know, they have, you know, they have nine commitments in the last month. Illinois only has two commitments in their entire class, and one of those is kind of on thin ice. He might uh, decommit here so in I'm the like next Collier. couple of weeks. Yeah, and so, like, the thing, the difference is, is, like, you know, Lovey's gonna, he wants you guys, the guys to get on campus, he wants to do a physical with them before they commit, before he takes their commitment. So that's, like, his process. Minnesota, on the other hand, goes, "Hey, listen, here's our big, you know, six-minute virtual tour that we have of our campus. Here's a video. Boom, done. Flex all in. Commit right now. Get your spot because when, you know, this when the campuses start opening up, all these spots are going to disappear. So that's just like the difference in in style. And Minnesota has really killed it. They have th- they have three of the top seven players out of the state of Illinois mm-hmm. that have committed there, and they are pushing hard for more and more. And I just it feels a little bit like Lovey Smith and the Illini are a little bit behind the eight ball here and behind the curve with some of the other successful college programs. Other teams are struggling, too. Alabama's struggling. LSU is struggling. Florida hasn't gotten as many. You know, Oklahoma only has a handful of commits. But when you see teams come into your state and take your best players after not signing anybody from your state last year, that's when it can start getting concerning because, you know, I think we like this roster. In 2020, we like the team that they've assembled, but I'm I'm scared that like 2021, 2022 could get really ugly really quickly because they just haven't recruited very well the last couple of years and relied only on transfers. And transfers are good, but can they cover all of the holes? I don't know. Jake,
1: yeah, I, I think kind of like what Isaac said. It speaks a lot to Lovey's uh, process because he's a he's a guy where like to get it to get Lovey, you have to be in front of him. Like, P.J. Fleck can, you know, P.J. Fuck is all about the song and dance and the fireworks. And whereas Lovey's more like, all right, here's what we'll have you do. This is the process step. One, two, three, bam, we're there. Um, whereas, and again, like I said, P.J. Fuck is like, razzle-dazzles ya. And, and so I think that just, and I think it's kind of like, that's why Alabama is struggling. That's why LSU is struggling. Because you see guys like Nick Saban and now Ed Orgeron who are like, look at where we were. Look at what we've done here, here, here. Here's the steps those schools are struggling because they're more in person. That's where you're going to get it. So, and that's where you're going to be like, Oh, this is what it means. This is what they're offering. Now I get it.
0: Now I want to go there.
1: So I think all this virtual stuff is not conducive to their process. And now all of a sudden they have to change everything about the way they're recruiting.
0: Yeah. Um, for a little bit of context, um, as Isaac mentioned, Illinois has two commits right now for 2021. Um, the company Illinois is in right now is... Illinois is ranked 85th right now out of all the classes uh, for 2021. Ohio is 84th, right ahead of Illinois. And Harvard is 86th, right behind Illinois. And while it's an honor usually to be included in alongside the likes of Harvard, I don't think that's exactly what you're shooting for right now. Um, and obviously, you know, as you guys both kind of touched on, this staff is, like, not built for virtual recruiting and there's a lot of you know it was a staff that was originally assembled with a ton of NFL experience that you know is like we're gonna develop you into great players but maybe that wasn't built so much to sell people on the rise of a program like Illinois and you know it, it seems like not only has you know momentum really stalled out and the pandemic definitely is playing a role in that but also before that, Illinois, you know, didn't have a very good bowl showing. They ended up losing their last two regular season games to Iowa and Northwestern. Um, and, you know, but since then, nothing good, nothing has gone Illinois' way. Spring ball got canceled. And I remember last year covering spring ball, there was a ton of recruits on campus and there was a nice buzz. Um, it was big for guys. It really felt big for guys um, being there and and seeing the environment and then, to go along with that, you know, nobody getting drafted also hurts because that hurts that NFL pitch that they have, which is like we build guys for the league. You know, we're a staff that knows what an NFL player is. We know what you need. And, you know, while those weren't really all Lovey Smith's recruits, um, and Olawale Batiku is signed with the Giants right now and those other guys, I don't want to write them off because there's talented players who maybe have a shot like Dele Harding Reggie Corbin, um, et cetera. but it's just a lot that has gone not Illinois' way, but of course we can't say all of this without acknowledging that there are some, some pretty substantial things that have gone Illinois' way, and that's the transfer market, like Isaac touched on, um, which this is the second or third year in a row now, I think the second year really where Illinois is really kind of owning the transfer market again, and is one of those schools where it's it's really kind of you know, bossing it up, um, with a bunch of commits, like, and that's where, where things are, there are positive signs, but I don't think that there's really a, except for last year, a proven record of being able to be a winning team based off of transfers filling the holes across the roster, and the thing is, like, you know, I have no doubt that Luke Ford is going to be a big factor for Illinois when he can play this year, um, but him having to sit out last year hurts. That's like, you know, it's not like being a, a high school product and sitting out or red-shirting your freshman year to get stronger and get better. Luke Ford could have been a huge piece on that team last year. He was one of the best players, you know, in in the limited practice and reps you saw from Illinois. He looked good in, in camp. And I think that, you know... There's there's an issue with guys who coming in who have to sit out and yeah they, they get to get used to things and they continue to improve but it's they can't contribute right away, um, and we can get into the the individual guys who are committed um, maybe Isaac could give us his scout on some of these guys but uh, what are your guys' general thoughts about the the transfer successes in recruiting?
2: Yeah, I think um, with with these transfers, I think it's like, it comes down to the mindset in recruiting. And I think what Lovey learned in those first two years is like taking risks on some of these lower level guys, like Kirby Joseph's a guy that they took late, or like, you know, uh, they have, they've, they've taken some of these guys late at our high school prospects. They're not worth anything. So I think Lovey's done a good job of realizing that there is a chance for him to make some hay in this recruiting market, especially with these grad transfers, because you're getting 22 year old men, Twenty-one year old guys who've been in the locker room for three years, they've been in the weight room for three years, and you can you can develop them and they're gonna give you more than some of these late ads in the in the you know the high school kids that you're gonna get. But they're just you just can't have you have to use both. You have to have some of these six transfers or seven transfers a cycle, and then supplant that with thirteen really solid guys because Bebe and Peters were great last year, oh, but yeah. they wouldn't have been great if you hadn't had that homegrown offensive line that you had developed and recruited and built up so you have to have that like base yeah the transfers are going to be great you mentioned luke ford i think chase brown could be your starting running back that's a transfer i think you have a starting safety in derrick smith that's a transfer Bebe is going to start trayvon Sidney, luke or luke ford's going to probably start brandon peters is your starter blake gersadi is your starting right guard you know, so you have transfers. All you have a starting defensive end, and and the kid from Wisconsin. So you just have you have all of these starters, but they only go so far. You need to have a have a solid talent base built up and accrued, where those grad transfers can come in and be like the missing pieces that get you over the hump. Not the people that you bring in and go, listen. You have to be the stars right here, right now. You got to fill in because we have horrible depth behind you, and if you get hurt, we're screwed. Like that's kind of where I, I right. think the difference is.
0: Right mm-hmm. and. You know, it it has been a a bunch of steady ads, you know, starting with Christian Bell from Wisconsin, who looks pretty, like, you know, he looks like he could really be someone that Illinois needs, especially uh, losing Batiku to the draft, Um, and then now, you know, he lost his eligibility after he wasn't drafted, but um, I don't know, Jake, what do you, how are you feeling about the situation? Because to me, it seems like Illinois added some more good pieces, of course, but uh the future looks concerning unless, you know, maybe you have a great season this season that this year that really turns things around and gives you a tangible boost that kind of eases the staff's, you know, need to sell a rise in the program and kind of gives more of a natural sell there. But what do you think, Jake?
1: Yeah, you look great for twenty twenty, assuming that you play a twenty twenty season, but then what happens after that? Peters is gone. Bebe's gone. You're going to lose a couple of guys to the draft, Palchewski. You're probably going to lose guys like Nate Hobbs to the draft as well.
0: So Might even lose Kendrick what, Green.
1: Yeah, you're going to. So what happens after that? I mean, what what's your plan then? It doesn't really look like there is one because you're, like Isaac said, your depth is just not good. And you, like you said, you can rely on transfer guys for certain spots, but they're not going to consistently make you that long term. You know. Powerhouse that you want to be, that you're trying to build. I mean, it's kind of like baseball. Like, you have these prospects and you have these prospect lists, but if you guys, if you don't have anyone in the top 100 and then your star leaves, then you're screwed. So, I mean, that's kind of where Illinois is at right now. Yeah, you have a star in uh, Jashi Matabeta. You have star potential stars in Nate Hobbs. You have a very solid quarterback in Brandon Peters, but those guys are gone next year. And then what's your plan? Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that there is a legitimate, um, See, Jake, you said, you, you said it, it doesn't necessarily seem like there is a, a great long-term plan, but do you think that the staff is totally okay with just going out there and making evals and owning the transfer market every year and kind of putting it together with the broken pieces from other teams? Because if you have, if you look at one year where Lovey Smith has relied on this approach, you can't say it didn't work because it did.
2: No, I no, I totally think they are going to do that. That's what they're going to keep doing. And I think I think it, I, I think it still all goes back to mindset because Lovey comes from the NFL perspective, and he th- sees free agents out there. And I'm going to sign a free agent and mm-hmm. bring him in. He comes to college; these grad transfers are a lot more like free agents. They're plug and play, ready to roll. And I think he's ahead of the curve. There's only like four or five programs who've done that with graduate transfers. I just think you can't ignore the high school spot. Right? Like you have to you have to do both. You can't ignore it. And, you know, I think public perception is very much out there right now. Oh, yeah. And other Big Ten teams look at Illinois and they go, we can go get whoever we want out of that state because they're not staying in Illinois. And Lovey goes, well, I'm not playing the game. I'll go to Florida. I'll go to Georgia. And then you have just like a just have a, a tough look for, you, for Illinois where they go, listen, we're not going to mess around with you Illinois high school coaches. We're just going to go to other places and try to find our talent. But you can't ignore that because – at the, le- at the end of the day, Illinois' best team in 2020 is going to be a big reason is because Vidarian Lowe, Illinois guy. Yeah. Kendrick Green, Illinois guy. Alex Pocesti, Illinois guy. Look in the past. Who are your really good players? Martin O'Donnell, Illinois guy. Jay Lehman, Illinois guy. Richard Mendenhall, Illinois guy. Like that's You can't ignore it. You have to do both.
1: You can't ignore it. And well, I the think think thing that. is, too, like – Every state loses their in-state guys. Like, it's not just, like, Minnesota loses people all the time. Wisconsin loses people. Like, it's just that being in Illinois and you're supposed to be building this new contender, it's just more of a spotlight. But, I mean, let's not, let's not forget that every single school, you know, big state school loses their, their in-state prospects sometimes. No, I totally get that. I, I totally do. I just think that it's been a little bit –
2: that in-state plug is a little bit more magnified after the last recruiting class where you didn't sign anybody. I mean, if you look at it, like the number of top 10 recruits that you've gotten from your in-state, it's been like over two years since you've gotten a commit from a top 10 in-state prospect. So yeah, other teams come in, but you can't let Minnesota come get 12 guys in like they had the last three or two or three years. Yeah. It's just a balance.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think Luke Ford was Luke Ford's class of 2018, right? So if they would have originally landed Luke Ford, that wouldn't look so bad because Luke Ford would have been the top guy. But, uh, yeah, Lovey Smith has his work cut out for him. His his staff is, you know, I'm sure they're doing the best they can in this time. And I don't want to – I'm not the type who's going to sit on Twitter and question their effort or anything like that because I absolutely believe they're trying their best. And I I also believe that, you know – these are guys who know more about football than anyone covering the team, I mean, or anyone watching. And, you know, it's hard to argue with the best season since 2014 or whatever. And, you know, Lovey Smith might not say things that make people feel good, but that's Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith is, doesn't care what you think, Lovey Smith cares about his team and his program. And so maybe I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm not an outlier in the sense that I also think that Illinois is failing pretty badly um, with high school recruiting and especially in state recruiting. But, you know, also, I'm not here to crap on high school football in Illinois, but it's not the best, you no, know? No, not at all. And I totally understand why Lovey Smith, who's a guy who was in the NFL for a long time and, you know, kind of like Isaac said, Views the the transfer market as a type of free agency. I I totally see why he doesn't want to let a bunch of you know iffy high power five prospects come to Illinois just to smooth over relationships with these coaches who aren't sending guys his way. Right, because right. you know what, if you win, if you win, they'll they'll want to come no matter what.
2: Yeah, and you can only kiss. Um, East St. Louis's butt so many times, right? You can only like you can only do that so often before you eventually go. Okay, well, you're never you're never going to send us the Jeff Thomas. You're never going to get us these high Antonio Johnsons, a safety from the last class that just committed to Texas AM. and m Oh, you're, oh, you're never going to give us that guy. So it just it's like it just feels like there has to be some give and take. I mean, Mike Bellamy, the running backs coach, I think he said it best. Like it's not just on Illinois; it's on the Illinois high school coaches too. There has to be some give and take here. But I think it's also coming down to h- how do you build your roster, and right now only two commits is just not good enough because there's six or seven guys that they could go out and I think they could get if they landed. It's just they want them to get on campus, and you you, right. you just don't know when that's going to happen again. If they push hard for some of these guys, the numbers would look a whole lot better, and public perception changes, and you can start selling a little bit more. And Lubby's just kind of put the axe on that.
0: Yeah, and you know that that's what's. A little tougher to defend because there's no reason why. Well, I'm sure there are reasons why, but on paper, you would think you know maybe you can lock down that commitment from Olin Krutz's son right now, and guys That's like true. him. And the other thing that we know for sure is that recruits want to play with good players. And if you're a recruit right now in 2021 and, and even 2022. And you look at Illinois, it's like, yeah, I could go there, but with who? Who's going there? It's like, who am I going to play with? And that's just something that Illinois can't answer right now, and I think that's a big problem. Um, But but before we, you know, trigger people too much with (laughs) recruiting woes talk, I want to get both of your thoughts about um, Ayo Desunmu and Kofi Coburn's situations because those are two guys who, like us, kind of – waltzed into a really unfortunate situation with this pandemic, man. Both fantastic seasons. Um Kofi Coburn comes into Illinois, wins Big Ten Freshman of the Year, has the most dominant season by a freshman in how long? Oh my god, I don't I don't know. It's it's been a while. And then DeSumo is just Mr. Clutch, leads the team and uh definitely would have propelled him to the NCAA tournament, which I don't know would have happened if if he wasn't there hitting game winners and, and literally taking games over. So let's start with Jake, because I started with Isaac last time. What do you think about each player's situation? Do you think they'll ultimately return to Illinois, stay in the draft? What's what's going on there?
1: So I was always a Kofi Coburn's coming back guy. I think that was always just, hey, I want Big Ten freshman of the year, I and I'm an athletic freak. Um, let me see what I can see in these league circles, see what I hear, and then ultimately come back, refine my game a little more, be a locked-in down, locked first-round pick in 2021. Uh, Ayo Desumu, obviously, probably was in draft talks last year, and we know he was. He he took a little while to make a decision, and then ended up coming back. Um, And then same thing this year. He performed really well, uh, really solidified what people thought, that he was a a game-winner, a good leader, a guy with a lot of length. And then I think he was on the right track to be an early second-round pick, maybe late first-round pick, and then everything shut down. I think if he had continued to play that way in the Big Ten tournament and in the NCAA tournament, then he, he really would have gotten those those talks and they're like, all right, we want this guy. But now I think with every day that goes by, there's more uncertainty there where it's like, okay, because, I mean, you don't know when the draft's going to happen now either. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a question in and of itself. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, with every day that goes by, there's more uncertainty. Is this really – but then with that also, if the draft keeps getting pushed back, you're going to be like – you're going to eventually run into a brick wall where it's going to be like, all right, decide, go or don't go. And then you're – so it's kind of like – I think Io just does go, but I would say that's only a 60-40 chance that he does. I think there's still a very – decent chance that he comes back, especially with all the uncertainty. Yeah.
2: I think it's it's just fascinating to kind of see how maybe Io's stock outside of Champagne has kind of slipped a little bit. And it's it's just weird to see that because I, you know, I look at some of the guys that You know, I I love Sam Vicenni from Athletic. He has like the the top 100, and he's got IO at 49 right now. And Kofi cracked the top 100, got to 100, but I I think I'm with you, Jake. Kofi will be back. Like, that's, I'm I'm just, I've always leaned toward that. I thought it was smart that he went out and, you know, got evaluated and he's going to get all the info he can, but I think he will go back. But with IO, I mean, you have him at 49 here on this, and I just look at some of the guys ahead of him and I go, man, I'd take IO over Paul Reed. I would take Io over, you know, Jared Butler from Baylor. I would take Io over, you know, a head case like Jaden McDaniels from Washington. So it's just like, it's just like it's tough. And then you look, one other thing that I do is I look back at these recent second-round draft picks that teams have, you know, invested on in second-round draft picks on guys, and all these no-name dudes from Europe that you have no idea how to pronounce their name don't even come over, or if they do come over, they just spend, like, they're just a scrub. Like, you go, H- why wouldn't you draft a guy like Io? So I, I'm. I think at the end of the day, as if I was able to get in front of an NBA executive, he's going to convince at least one of them that he's worth it, because he is, you know, he is so impressive as a person. His film is impressive. The way that he uh, loves to work is impressive, and you're not going to get any issues with him. The thing is, is if he if he finds out though that he's not going to get drafted, I do think he's back. He's yeah. not going to. He's not going to risk not being drafted when he knows that Illinois is still there and a potential, you know, top two or three Big Ten team, definitely top 25. He's yeah. to ready, to, ready to go and ready to do some big things.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with both of what you guys said. And, you know, honestly, it is hard to believe, seemingly, how IO stock has fallen here in the last couple months because of, I mean, I can only attribute it to just no n c a tournament happening, no big Ten tournament happening, no combine, and just general uncertainty and maybe it's maybe a lot of it's due to kind of his lack of three point success I don't know and and maybe you know he's not the most athletic guy, but i o is certainly someone who I see as someone who's going to succeed in pro basketball and someone who is an n b a talent for sure and the other thing I think that you know, you would think NBA execs would see, uh, especially like Isaac mentioned, if you meet him and you get to talk to him, is his arc of improvement and how he has really gone from somebody in high school who everyone was like, oh, he can score in the high school game, but he can't shoot. He has to go to the basket. It's all he can do. And, you know, he came into Illinois, Made threes as a freshman. He didn't shoot great, and he regressed a, just a little bit in his percentage this year. But he also has really developed a mid-range game, and he can really score on you any way. He's one of he's the best guard I've seen since D Brown in transition, and that's favorable in the NBA, which plays at a much higher pace. He's pretty good on defense, and you know he can really do it all. I like I kind of like that sixty forty mark Jake said, but I almost want to go maybe 70-30 or even 80-20, just because of the fact that I think NBA execs are smart. And like Isaac said, you know, there's a lot of other guys out there that you could take a gamble on and, you know, maybe they pan out, maybe they don't. Io DeSumo doesn't feel like a gamble to me as a a mid-to-late second-round draft pick or even an early second-round draft pick. I thought he could go late first round at one point this year. Um, Obviously, things haven't turned out that way, but, you know... He's a guy who's got all the character to succeed, has done so much, and I think that I actually feel really bad for him, honestly, because I I think that he's really gotten unlucky with all this. And then my thoughts about Kofi are exactly in line with your guys. He's someone who should probably come back, but he's going to be an NBA player. He's just a little raw, and teams see that. They're intrigued by him because who wouldn't be intrigued by this hulking seven-footer who can just absolutely dominate in the paint. But he's got a little more developing to do. And I, I think that Kofi probably realizes that even if it's not what he wants to hear, I think that, you know, the feedback he's probably getting is a little more towards the direction of return, whereas Io's probably... Io's got a really tough choice, man. Like, he's got a tough... he's in a tough spot right now.
2: And I think if I'm Kofi, I think... Or maybe if I'm Illinois, I look at Kofi and I go, listen, you're a great player and you did good things this year. But think about the numbers you could make with Andre Curbelo here. Oh, my I think Curbelo is a huge sell. That's mouthwatering. Plus, I also, I also like looking at some of these big-time freshman big men that have done well in the Big Ten. Like, I look at Jalen Smith and Daniel Oturu. Those two guys had pretty solid freshman years, not even as good as as Kofi was Mm -hmm. as a freshman. But think about the jumps that they made in their sophomore years, and now both of those guys are legitimate first-round caliber type of players. Kofi's a different player than them. But if you put up 23 points and 11 rebounds, just like Jalen Smith did and just like Daniel Oturu did, then you start to see a little bit more where a team could take a gamble on Kofi and, and maybe a little yeah. second-round type of play. But he could have a role in this NBA as a rim, rim runner, as a defender, as a, as a guy who's just going to be a monster down low. I just don't know if he's ever going to develop a jumper outside of 17 feet.
0: Yeah. Hey, Isaac, your mic's, like, blurring out a little bit. I don't know if you shifted your laptop or what, um, but it's, it's cutting out a little bit. So now it's probably... Um, yeah, that is better. That okay, is better. Not bad. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, I I hope that people can hear that, but um, I heard it. But uh, anyway, now's probably a, a good time to segue into generally the conversation about what happens from here with with Illinois, but also just sports in general and how you know this pandemic is still taking a massive toll on this country and obviously the world, but leagues are moving forward, everybody's moving forward with contingency plans, and we're really starting to see, you know, some possibilities emerge, especially with the MLB, Um, obviously because they're the ones whose season is going on without them, Um, of course the NBA playoffs will be going on right now too, but, um, you know, I, I know you guys are huge baseball fans, so you're probably following that more rigidly than I am, but what are your guys' thoughts, when are, when are sports possibly going to resume here? And, and we'll start with the MLB, but in general, we should talk about everything. And then also, what might happen with college football, too.
1: I mean, MLB, you're looking at, I mean, they're saying July, but I, Sean all, the reliever for the Nationals, had a really good thread today. Yeah, I, I saw that thread. Um, you know, the questions that he would be asking, because he's a part. he's a representative for the Major League Baseball Players Association. And the owners are putting forward a proposal tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, we're recording this on Monday. But on Tuesday, the owners are supposed to propose a plan to restart games. And Sean Dool had this big thread on Twitter about, you know, these are questions I'll be asking. How are we protecting employees of hotels? How are we employing, sta- uh, protecting stadium staff, pilots, so on and so forth? How much testing is there going to be? And raised a lot of really good questions. But as I was reading it, I was like, I, think, I don't think – you might not see it until August. You might not see – I mean, July might be a, a, a very positive outlook on that. And then, obviously, the NBA and NHL, they want to get their playoffs, and they want to crown a champion before their season starts again. So they're going to try and go earlier, I would imagine, but uh, because they – usually their regular season would start again in September, October, so they need to get something done. It, honestly – I I imagine there will be something with each sport. There will be some kind of plan, but I don't think we see anything until the second half of July at the earliest. Yeah,
2: no, I think, I think the timeline sounds right there. I think I'm maybe more intrigued by the NBA because I think that it's a little bit easier for them to do it. If they go to one of those bubbles where they can go to Las Vegas, maybe they go to Orlando. Those are one of those places where I think they can get those games in and they're gonna play. I, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that Major League Baseball finds a way to play. And same with the NBA. Just because there's so much money at risk, yeah. the need for sports or the you know the desire for sports could make ad revenue through the roof oh, right yeah. now. So I think that if they're if they are able to find a, a location that could work, they'll play. But yeah, I think July 4th is very optimistic. Like very optimistic for baseball to come back. And Doolittle's right about a lot of those things. Some of those those health protections for the families, the staff, the stadium workers, that's maybe more important than the players, right? Because there's just so many more numbers of those people. And they have a bigger outreach, so it could really spread even more.
0: Yeah, and, and something that Doolittle brought up also is that, you know, even in people who have been asymptomatic, there's been some, like, very negative effects on people's lungs and respiratory systems. And there's just so much that we don't know as a society, even though we're learning a lot each week um, and and new data is coming out all the time, that like, you know, history is going to look back on all of this and we're going to be able to see a lot more clearly where as a society and a sports world we went right or wrong. And so if I was the NFL right now, I'd be thanking God that we're that this didn't happen in the middle of the season like it happened to the NBA, and that it didn't happen at the very beginning of the season like it happened to the MLB uh, and Major League Soccer too, because they're all screwed. Like, this this sucks for them. It sucks for everybody, but um, it really sucks for sports um, especially, and obviously we're a little more selfishly interested in that just because that's all of our jobs. Um, but what do you guys think about just... What's gonna happen here with the college football season because nobody's in a tougher position, and i'll I'll die on this hill. Nobody's in a tougher position than college athletics right now because we're talking here about kids that aren't getting paid. We're talking about forty something states with power five schools where you've got you know Republican territories like Alabama and you know in the south and the s e c versus states like michigan and illinois that are democratically controlled and it's like becoming a a very political issue which is nobody wants it to be that way like if i'm josh whitman that's the last thing i want to be you know forced to do is is make a decision like this that's like political and and that people are going to be scrutinizing immensely about how you should play whether you should play I mean, it's it's tough because it's not like you can go and play the entire college football season in a bubble, like you can with the NBA. In theory, it's just not like that.
2: No, not at all. I think the I'm interested in. in so Bradley today says today that they're going to have all their students come back and they're pretend they're preparing for fall to be underway. So I'm, I'm interested in how this dilemma works because the SEC is going to find a way to play. Right, right. now, if you sold 100,000 tickets for LSU and Alabama a game, they would sell out in four or five days and there would be people there ready to watch and roll and we're lying to ourselves if we don't think $100,000 or 100000 tickets for Michigan and Ohio State wouldn't sell out in a hurry. Even, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. That, that is absolutely like going to happen. I mean,
0: people so, want to go to Illinois games, you know, exactly. it, even if the virus is still there. A lot of people yeah, do. There's
2: plenty of people that are going to yeah. do that. It's just like, it's just a really hard for them to know. I, I just don't see it all getting started when we all expect it to just because they haven't had training camp. They haven't been able to do any of these things. You can only learn so much online. So I, th- I think we could see it push back, but it's going to be a little bit hard for me to see a college football season not be played this year because the just the want for people is out there, and there's going to be a lot of people that are just saying, you know what, screw it, we're just doing it, and I think that once that happens, then everyone else could start to come in, too, and, and just say, okay, we're just going to go with it and see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I, I want to hear Jake's thoughts, too, but first I want to note that the Big Ten is in maybe the toughest position here out of any conference here because because you have the 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 idea that the SEC is kind of more politically um what's the word it's like not monotonous but it's more like in line whereas the Big 10 you know you've got Indiana right next to Illinois which is right next to Iowa and it's like you got Michigan you got Pennsylvania you got New Jersey right. You got all these states that are so different politically and are facing such different situations with the virus. Because, I mean, if you're Rutgers right now, you gotta be thinking, like, the the virus is much worse in New Jersey even than it is in Illinois. And you gotta be like, oh my god, like, yeah, maybe in Iowa they're gonna be like, screw it, but what are we gonna do? You know, especially when, you know, that their government in New Jersey has taken a, a much more Uh, aggressive stance in terms of shutting things down and, you know, seems a lot less eager on, like, places like Indiana, um, Iowa, where, you know, things are starting to open back up.
2: I I genuinely, though, wonder if it's like a – like in Illinois I wonder if we're going to have it reach a point where we have regulations for Chicago and then different regulations for downstate. I think where that will A lot different. And I wonder how that changes for some of these colleges that aren't in big towns. But then it brings in a whole other thing like, listen, Chicago might have these different regulations, but a large majority of uh, students at Illinois are from Chicago. Yeah. If yeah. We can reopen and start playing college football without – the rest of the student body are you just going to force just the college football players to come back unpaid without great health care to just come back and play like that like i don't i'm so glad i'm not in a decision making oh my I'm god so yeah. that i don't have to do this
0: i would pay big money to be in the room watching though but uh jake what what are your thoughts just about the situation that specifically for college football with with big Ten, illinois and just the the diverse scenarios of what's unfolding across all these different states. It's such a big area of the country.
1: Yeah. I mean, football, both college and pro got lucky in quote unquote, because their season wasn't the off season. They don't have to worry about this for two to three more months. Um, you know, they get mini camps and things like that canceled, but that's easily, you can get rid of that easy as opposed to a whole season. So they have time to figure this out. Um, it, but one thing that scares me, because I do think, like Isaac said, they're just going to say, screw it, we're playing, come on in, we're going to do this, because, you know, you have people protesting to get a Subway sandwich. You take football <laughs> away from these buffoons. Like, you, you, get, you take football away from these dorks, the city's going to burn down. So I think, like, you know, I think that's part of the reason, too, why you're going to just get football, and they're just going to say, all right, we're doing it, because, I mean, if people are that <laughs> upset to get a sandwich, then I, college football and pro football... It's gonna be a hundred times as bad.
0: Yeah. Facts. Any final thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean that was mine. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I
2: I think there's just so many different layers for it. And one thing though, if I you know, I'd say I'm more of a positive person. Me too. So the thing that I'm kinda of hoping towards is that like, you know, we have had so much advancement in technology and how we understand this coronavirus in the last six weeks. So football's still you know, we're still four months away from some of that going. So maybe we see a lot of advancements in the next couple months where maybe are the narrative shifts and the information that we know shifts where things can start getting on, on hold. And we just have to hope that a vaccine gets created really soon. And, you know, I, I trust the medical professionals that they're going to do yeah. their best to get us back to, to, to regular life. And I, I don't know, maybe life's never the same again, but I do think that, we, I do think that there's no decisions need to be made right now just because we don't know all the facts and maybe in six or eight weeks things become a little bit more clear and we can see if there is a real true path back for for college football than for college sports overall
0: right um, meanwhile uh, not Isaac but me and Jake here are are over here trying to figure out how we can procure uh, lifelong income and professional gigs here covering sports now that we're you know out here and it's tough man like you know with everything stopped like places have stopped hiring budget cuts are happening even quicker pandemic cuts are literally a thing that no one could have ever predicted or anything uh so jake i'm just wondering are are you hanging in there buddy Are, are you doing okay on the job search i know that you know we're each all making our our own plan a's b's c's and d's yeah um i mean like i told you guys
1: earlier like i'm lucky to the point where i have a secondary job outside of journalism that i can go to that is very free with my uh, make my own hours pretty much and i have a very fortunate situation there where i can wait it out and wait until sports get back and things kind of kick into a higher gear of all right sports are back we need to hire people we need people to cover this and i'm lucky in that sense so that's really plan a right now just go to this other job, go to the farm and work and wait until sports come back. Um, You know, before all this happened, I had had a couple talks with uh, WGN where I interned uh, last summer and kind of talked to them. But then, you know, and I've been in contact with them since. But with no sports, they're in a tough position as well. So it's just kind of a wait and see mode right now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like you, I'm in wait and see mode. You know, I've been applying places and getting rejected like, you know, it happens, but... Uh, just trying to stay positive and, you know, I'm even thinking about, is grad school the move? <laughs> Should I be going to grad school because I'm scared of the job market? Like, I don't know if that's a great idea. Um, but it's a weird time and, you know, it, we've been talking for a while now, so I want to wrap up on a, on a more positive note objectively, which is the best sports documentary series I've ever seen. <laughs> the Last Dance everybody's talking about it you know granted it's the only thing we got really going right now but i don't know when it when i wake up on sundays i wake up and it's the only day i feel true excitement anymore because i wake (laughs) up and i know oh boy i've got two hours of pure gold coming but last last night was something special uh with episode seven and episode eight and I, next Sunday when I wake up, I'm gonna be a little sad, though, in addition to my excitement that the series is wrapping up, but man, what are, what are you guys thinking about this series, because, you know, we are all young, like, we're all in our early 20s, now that we were, we were alive, barely, um, as this was happening, I was born in 1998, so all of this is like an awakening for me, you know, I was a, I probably would have told you LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth on that in my life, and we don't need to really get into that. But let me just put it this way. like It's amazing to see all the behind-the-scenes footage that no one knew about, all the takes from people who covered the Bulls and, and Jordan, hearing from Jordan himself. It's, it's just ma- magical and so well put together.
2: I think it's incredible storytelling and incredible journalism honestly And i just i'm in awe every time i watch i thought that episode seven and eight were the best i thought seven was spectacular yeah just because i felt like i knew like i didn't really know much about the whole jordan going to play baseball or like that first retirement so learning about that was really fun and then just like seeing his mindset and like how he you know how he did so much for his dad or how much how strong he had to be for his family after his dad died it's just like it was cr- pretty crazy just to see that side of jordan that we don't really see and like that scene where he's you know crying at the yeah. end on the on the ground like that in the locker room like that was really like that was really powerful and so i just i love this series the moment that it ends i'm just going to start rewatching it cuz i feel like i've missed so much so I, can, yeah. I can't wait for that rewatch you know
0: i rewatched both episodes last night and literally literally i cried like i cried twice last night at the at the scene you know at the very end when he's holding that trophy but also it was just a it was, it was just you know sometimes when you shed a lone tear it's it's a happy tear you know sometimes it's just at the beauty of of you know like Isaac said beautiful storytelling but Jake what what did you think because I I agree with Isaac I thought that episode 7 especially was the best I'd say I I really loved episode 4 but certainly the combination that one two punch from 7 and 8 I thought was the best of the series so far
1: Yeah they were both awesome and there was a lot to love from both of those um Obviously, I'm a Chicago kid, and, you know, so I was born in September of 97, so when this was all going on, I was six months old, not, uh, nine months old, so, but, you know, there's baby pictures of me in Bulls gear and all that stuff, and I remember when I was two and three, like, all the bull stuff, like, going, ar- like, around me, so it's really cool to have been, you know, like you said, Gavin, we were alive in that era, but not really aware but you know all the stories and all the stuff like, you know, from your family members, you know, like say where they were and stuff like my mom always tells a hilarious story of, she used to work at Midway airport. And one time she was waving, she was waving traffic there, she was like, she had just become a cop. So she got put at Midway airport and she's waving guys through. And there's a black, uh, there's a black car tinted windows, like huge rims on it, sitting, sitting in the middle of Midway or in the drop off area. And she's trying to wave this car through and they're just not bugging. So she goes up to the car. She goes, you have to move slowly, the window rolls down, and Scotty Pippin's sitting there. And, you oh know, my she couldn't god, couldn't see it was him because of the tinted windows. And he's looking at her, she's looking at him, she just goes, I waited like a half heartbeat, and she goes, I know who you are, but you have to move. Traffic <laughs> is coming through, so that's always a very funny story. That's that. crazy. And then he ended up moving after that, but, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, stuff like that that's cool just to get the behind the looks. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the one shot I really loved. Uh, last night was the scene the shot like the b-roll shot of Jordan walking with a security guard through the tunnel and you could see the security guard that we saw last week yeah like a Wozniak and you see his hair flowing by it's just him <laughs> and Jordan <laughs> like that was really funny but yeah and then uh, one thing that I found really interesting was when they were talking about the baseball aspect mm-hmm. and they said if you had given Jordan 1500 plate appearances he would have made it to the pros like he, he had the makings to be an all-star you know anytime you talk about jordan's baseball career people like to say oh he barely hit 200 he could barely do anything but you know then last night they say oh he started with a 13 game hitting streak he had hit a fastball like nobody else you gave him the time he was going to be a pro so i think that's always that was always very cool and then obviously hearing about those practices with nba all-stars after shooting space jam yeah there was there was a lot of good content in those last two episodes that i thought was awesome
0: It, it was amazing and you know, I, I think we all agree um, and I don't know for the majority or not with this, but the last dance, especially last night might change that perception of Jordan's baseball career a little bit, but I think we all agree none of us could hit any of that pitching. I, I couldn't no. hit, you know, I've covered Illinois baseball and I couldn't hit any of the pitching they, they face. I mean it's it's a lot harder to hit a baseball than people think. It's hard.
2: And, like, the driving in 50 runs is huge. Yeah, he stole 30 bases. That was huge. Like, they showed a couple of his outfield blunders, but there's also some tape out there of him running down plays and making athletic plays in the outfield. Like, he's a legitimate player. And I, I totally am with you, Jake. Like, if Michael Jordan had made a run and been a, a baseball player, would he have been the most popular Chicago White Sox
1: baseball player of all time? Like
0: He's already the most baseball. famous.
1: <laughs> like That's just absurd.
0: Yeah, yeah it really I mean, is.
1: Let's not let's not disrespect uh, speedrunner Mark Burley, but right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you calling him that might have disrespected him.
1: No, Mark Burley was the, one of the fastest pitchers ever. He was, I mean, not actually sprinting speed. I'm talking about the game duration, which he would pitch. Like you, I mean, Mark Burley had sub two hour games out here for the White Sox. Yeah, we that is actually that is a baseball beat writer heaven
0: right there. yeah that is heaven because baseball is too long man that's coming from a an objective point of not being a baseball fan just a sports I also fan say
2: soccer's too long
0: soccer's too short <laughs> man it's only 90 minutes the games are over in two hours under two hours um but speaking of length we just hit an hour and i i promised right. myself that i wouldn't make people suffer through too much of listening us to listening to us talk because this is just, you know, at this point, this is a bunch of old friends just, you know, <laughs> shooting the you-know-what back and forth over, over a Zoom conference call in the middle of a pandemic. So thank you so much, Isaac and Jake. This has been fantastic. Um, I hope, you know, some people out there enjoy this as much as I did because this was fun.
2: Yeah, always love hopping on with you guys.
0: All right, yeah, I wish you guys health and happiness and hopefully all this bs ends soon because oh man i'm running out of patience
1: <laughs> the club, man.
0: all right well if you've made it this far thanks for for tuning into it's all good um we're gonna have another i'm excited about another episode i got coming up with mariah guzman another fellow align we're gonna throw in some skincare talk on that one so thank you for listening hope you're all safe and well and this has been the show